It's good to see you guys. Y'all doing okay? Y'all all right? There we go. There we go. If I can go back out, we can do it again, you know. Uh, man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I got a, I got a bunch of scripture I'm going to try to get us through today, uh, and for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and try to jump into this. Um, we uh, are in a study on the book of Proverbs, uh, life goals, and uh, today's goal, uh, just to go ahead and, and throw it out there, is uh, to have friends, okay? Uh, you know, you go, well, that's kind of, a, kind of an odd thing to talk about today, isn't it? Well, no, it's really not. Uh, because it's all over Scripture, and it's especially all, all over Proverbs. And so uh, today we're going to talk about that. If you've got a Bible and you want to go ahead and get it out, that would be good. Turn to the book of Proverbs and be ready to read the entire book today. Um, kidding, but, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to move around. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one. Just throw your hand up. Let them know you need it. You can keep that. We'd love for you to have it as a gift if you don't have one. Uh, but, uh, you know, friendship is one of those things that, you know, I think for so many of us, um, you know, we don't talk about it. I mean, if you, if you really think about it, we don't, we don't spend a lot of time talking about our friendships. We don't spend a lot of time, uh, you know, trying to think about what it looks like for us to cultivate uh, new friendships or much less just even real relationships with others. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, spend a lot of time uh, reading, listening to uh, Tim Keller and Ray Ortland, both uh, speaking a lot into this message today, uh, you know, that uh, one of the things that uh, common ground that I saw both of them talk about here, heard both of them talk about, uh, was that, you know, in the world, uh, in the media, especially uh, in this world that we live in, so much of relationships stuff is focused on, uh, you know, rom- romantic relationships, uh, you know, not, not friendships, Per se, or or it's focused on family, and family's great. We love family, right? Um, but we're going to study some scripture today that I think helps even clarify, um, you know, some of that uh, here in just a minute of just you know how crazy it is, you know, the difference sometimes between our friendships and our family relationships, and and all these kinds of things. Uh, but uh, you know, for for many of us, if we're being real honest with ourselves, we probably feel let down. By a lot of our friendships, I, I I'm, I'll just go on record and just go ahead and throw myself in the ring. I have felt down, I have felt felt let down by some friendships just even in the past couple weeks by a couple of different friends. They probably don't even know that they made me feel that way, but I felt that way. And and there have been moments over those last couple of weeks where I, I really sulked about it. I really I was really hurt about it. You know, I really you know spent time thinking about it. You know, and the truth is, is that we are kind of guilty sometimes of going on making selfish demands in our minds of what we want people to be for us and what we think that they should be for us. And they don't have a clue, right? We do this. This is, this is a mind game that we play with ourselves, uh, and we <laughs> generally, we don't let our friends in on it, right? You know, because we're like, well, we'll just, we'll just let them hurt us. And then a lot of times we just won't say anything about it. And we'll just go on. And if we're not careful, we'll go on. But as we're going on, it's like we're building a library, you know, of like wrongs that they've committed against us. But these are supposed to be our friends, right? 
And the truth is, is they're not the ones doing that to us as much as we're the ones doing that to us. Uh, they don't know because we're not talking about it. We'll get into some of that. And, uh, you know, friendship is one of those things that, you know, it, it, it kind of happens. Normally it happens in a, in a natural way, uh, in some way, shape, or form where people, you know, have, you know, been together, gotten together, and realize that they have maybe like interests or, uh, you know, whatever it is. And then while they're there, you know, C.S. Lewis puts it this way, and everybody and their uncle quoted C.S. Lewis that I was reading and talking, uh, reading and studying about this with. And C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, in, in regards, in reference to friendship, he says, it's like, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. You know, and it's, and it's this, you know, we find connections with people, you know, and that connection may be something we enjoy doing. It may be our taste in things or whatever it is, but whatever it is, along the way, we've gotten a connection with someone. And the truth is, is that sometimes, because we don't necessarily cultivate those friendships or pay attention to the kind of friend we are, because we're too worried about the kind of friends they're not, right? You know, that we're, we're a little bit missing the boat, you know? And, and there's, there's a little bit of investment needed on our end of things, right? Uh, the first, first thing that I, I want to check out here is, is out of Proverbs 17, if you want to go there. Uh, today, the, the part of this, the first part of the message I want to share is, is based around a, a section of a message that Tim Keller did where he, he talked about four important components to friendship uh, that are found in the book of Proverbs. And really, they were just too good to just not, you know, take them and, and use the scriptures and, and share those with you today. Uh, and then we'll be sharing some other stuff too. Uh, but the first one here, the first important component of friendship to the four that Keller shared uh, is constancy. You know, being constant in someone's life. I mean, you, you can look back on your life and you know who the people that were constant in your life are. You know, they, they've always, you know, kind of been there. And, and maybe even maybe even seasons where you're not living close to them or uh, you're not talking as much. It's, it's those people that you know that you just pick right up, you know, from uh, the last time that you left off or whatever. Uh, they're, they're there for you. Proverbs 17, 17 says this. It says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for for adversity. It's, uh, you know, through good times, bad times, you know, it's, that's, that's when a friend is there. A brother, a family member, okay, we're going to kind of switch the gears here a little bit, is a strong relationship, and a brother is born for adversity. They're going to be with you, you know, generally speaking. I know this is not always true of everybody's brother. Some of you got, got a, some of y'all got a brother in here today that you'd be like, I'd throw that sucker under a bus in a heartbeat, you know, uh, that I understand, okay? Uh, you need to pray about that. But Okay, we'll deal with that another day, all right? Um, uh, but the truth is, is that a brother is stuck with you. They're stuck with you. They're stuck with being your brother. Uh, they're obligated. You know, it's kind of that, you know, you know, well, honey, who's, who was that on the phone? Well, it was my brother, and he's in jail well, what are you going to do? I guess I'm going to go get him out. Why? Well, because he's my brother, and that's what I'm supposed to do, right? It's that kind of a mentality. Versus a friend, you know, you call a friend from jail, and you're like, hey, I'm in jail, and your friend's like, 
you know, who's that on the phone? Well, such and such is in jail. I, I, I need to run down there and get him. You know, I need, I need to get him out. You know, it, there, there's, a, there's a whole different attitude there. And I'm not saying every brother is like that. Some of y'all are going to attack me after this is over with, be like, I love my brother, you know. I understand. I understand. Some of you are blessed with, like, legit gospel-centered brotherly love in your brothers and your sisters and all that. Congratulations. You are few and far between, okay? Um, a friend chooses you, right? A friend chooses to be your friend. They don't have to be your friend. They choose to be your friend. Isn't it nice when somebody wants to hang out with you? Don't you love it when somebody calls and says, hey, you know, I'd love to, you know, would you like to, you know, grab some pizza or go do this or whatever? The, the unfortunate thing is, the truth is, we all know that this changes a lot as we get older, especially as you have kids and you can't go do as much of these kinds of things or any, anymore or whatever. Uh, but the truth is, is you think, you still think about it and you still know that many of those people are there and you can still call and talk to some of those people, or maybe you get to go, uh, you know, experience something that you enjoy together or whatever. That's, that's all great. Those are all good things. Uh, one of the things that's hard for us to hear today is that most people know you and want to know you because you are useful to them and vice versa. So we don't, we don't like to think about that, right? We don't want to think about that. But the the truth is, is that for us to understand who our real friends are, we have to kind of pay attention to that. The people that are around you, the people that want to be with you, that seemingly want to have a relationship with you, are they there because they care about you and they want to be your friend, or are they there because they want something from you? Or are they there because you want something from them? Those are hard questions to ask. But it's important for us to understand the difference between a friend and someone posing to be a friend. You know, from having a good time, meeting people, getting things done. When the chips are down, the truth is, is that's when we need real help. And that's when we'll find our friends. Yeah, there'll be some people out there that feel obligated. There'll be some people out there that might come help us because they're hoping to get something in return. But for someone to be there when it costs them something versus a fair-weather friend, that fair-weather friend is not really a friend. So constancy, somebody that is just there, and you know that they're there, and they're not going anywhere. You know, The, the world can start falling apart, and they're still going to be your friend. You could get accused of something, and they could still be your friend. That's a great, that's a great way for us to see that today. The second thing out of the four important components to friendship that Keller shared from the book of Proverbs is carefulness, carefulness. You know, friends know you well enough to know what hurts you and what builds you up. You know, a good friend, like, really knows you, right? It's not going to be a surprise to them that, you know, if you were to bring up something or someone else to bring up something that's very hurtful to you, that you'd be hurt by that. They would probably know that maybe even better than you if they're a really good friend, you know, and they know you really well. You know, Proverbs 25.20 says this. Proverbs 25.20 says, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Well, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart. So if we have good friends, then 
they hurt with us, right? They don't go on being happy in moments that we're really struggling. Now, I mean, there's some understanding with that, right? You know, they they may not spend as long with us, but they're going to hurt with us at some point through that. That's a real friend. You know, now, can people fake that or, you know, pretend? Yeah, they, they can. You know, and if they really want something from you for some reason, they might do that. But real friend is on the phone when you say that you want to be alone, but you're in a bad place, and they say, you're not going to be alone. That's a real friend. That's someone who cares about you. That's someone who's saying, I'm willing to sacrifice my time right now to be with you, whether that's me coming to you or you're coming to me, I'm not going to let you be alone right now. You suffer together. If a friend is hurting, we are hurting. If they are not hurting when you are, that should tell you something. The third, the third component, important component to friendship that Keller shares about is candor. Candor. Candor is, is tricky, okay? Because we just talked about carefulness, a friend being careful in our relationship. They know what to say, when to say it, how not to hurt us with it. But candor is important as well. And candor is the thought that there is truth-telling happening. They're not going to lead you astray. They're, gonna, they're not going to not tell you something because they don't want to. And they're going to not, not tell you something because they think it's going to hurt you they do so out of love. There's a difference, right? We know this, right? You know, if you've lived in the world for any length of time, you know what it's like for people to tell you something that you may need to hear, but the way they tell it to you is hurtful versus people that are taking time that care for us, that are telling us something that maybe we need to hear. We don't want to hear it, but they're probably hurting with us as they're telling that thing as they're sharing that thing. They don't want to have to be the one to do that. They're doing so because they love us. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I mean, that sounds, sounds hurtful, right? You know? But candor is one of those things. We need people in our lives who are willing to tell us what we need to hear, but to do so in a way where we know they're not trying to hurt us. A friend knows the difference between hurting someone and harming someone. Are you hearing that? They know the difference between hurting someone and harming someone. We know that when we're going to tell somebody something that they don't want to hear, that it's going to hurt for a little bit. But there's a difference between that and trying to harm them through the process, right? And I got to be honest with you, I, I struggle with this. I struggle with this personally. I, you know, if no, if for in no other instance of my life where I str- have struggled with this the most, it's been being the pastor at 24 Church. And so you're like, oh, this doesn't sound good. I'm just, I'm just being candid, just kind of telling you how this played out for us. You know, 18 plus years ago, we started a church and started this church with friends and and as even in the early days began to build uh, a pastoral staff, we all became friends, close friends, best friends, to the point that it has been a struggle at times to just 
say what needs to be said at times for fear of hurting people that I care about. I think we can all understand that. We probably all have situations like that in life. I think we've gotten better with that over the years. I've gotten better with that over the years. I'm still not perfect at it. I'm still not great at it. Sometimes I still, you know, wager a war in my mind. You know, am I going to say that to him or her or whatever? Am I going to not, you know, I, you know, well, maybe today I'll let it go, maybe tomorrow. The truth is, if we're not willing to tell friends the truth, we're not really their friends. We need to be able to have that candor, but we need to be able to do it with carefulness, right? The fourth piece of the puzzle. By the way, the, the candor thing, you know, the hearing stuff about ourselves that we, that we need to know, but, you know, having friends that can do that for us, it's a lot like, it's a lot like hearing yourself on a recording, you know? How many times have you heard somebody, you know, listen to themselves speak on a recording or sing on a recording or whatever it may be, and then in the aftermath they're like, oh, gosh, I don't really sound like that, do I? Yeah, you do. We've all been putting up with it, you know? And the truth is, is that good friends tell us the things that we need to hear, and it's truth, it's truthful, it's in candor, but it's with carefulness, right? The fourth thing, the fourth component to friendship here, this is not an end-all list, but it was a very helpful list for me while I'm sharing it with you, counsel. That we would counsel, have someone that we could counsel with to tell someone a secret, to confide in them. We need people like this that we can do this with, Right? We need people that we can counsel with. We need people that we can share things with. Proverbs 27.9 says this. It says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. One of the things that... <coughs> excuse me that I read about when I was studying through this, and every, and every commentator might have mentioned this, which I thought was pretty interesting, uh, is that uh, this was written at a time when you couldn't make food sweet. We, we hear that word sweetness, right? You know, what's it say there? Uh, that uh, And sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. We, we know how good sweet is, right? You ever... You ever decided that you had some cereal? I'm sure you've never done this. You had some cereal, and you thought, I think that cereal would be better with some sugar on it, right? That sugar might have, that, that cereal might have come with some sugar on it, but apparently they didn't get it right at the factory or something, you know, and you decide to put some extra on it. And then, and then you, you, you went about doing this. Maybe it was a little too late at night to be doing this, but you were doing it anyway, right? and you weren't paying attention, maybe you put a little too much of that sugar on there. And in the first bite, you know, I have put too much sugar on this. And you think to yourself, well, I can't waste this sugar now. I better eat it. We love sweet, right? We love sweet. And this passage is speaking to a crowd at that time whose sweet 
their, their understanding of sweet only came from things that were naturally sweet. And those things were held in super high regard. And so for him to say this this way, you know, that the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel, it's trying to help us just to remember and realize something that we probably already know, but maybe we need to be reminded of, that those people in our lives who are truly our friends that care about us and give us good counsel, those people and that counsel is even better than the cereal at midnight with way too much sugar on it. Like, it's an amazing thing. Friendship is something that's usually discovered, not created. And Proverbs 27, 17 says this. It says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So we have this picture of giving counsel to one another, walking alongside through life together with one another, trying to figure these things out where we're helping one another and we realize that along the way, at different times, the blade gets dull, right? And that we need one another to help kind of set ourselves back on the track of who God's calling us to be for His kingdom. A friend always lets you in and never lets you down. A friend always lets you in and never lets you down. Here's, here's an interesting thing. Uh, and I think it was Ray that, that shared this. Out of uh, Exodus 33, 11, the very first part of that verse, it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And I know that, you know, for a long, long time, I, I mean, especially I remember when I used to lead worship, play guitar and all that kind of stuff, and was traveling, and I spent just all this time like really thinking and spending so much time about the glory of God and just, you know, wanting to meet with the Lord and, you know, all these things that we see folks in the Old Testament, you know, God, show me your face, show me your glory, all these things, you know, and I still think about those things a lot, you know, but, you know, as I, I spent so much time thinking about that, you know, I, I would have, I mean, I just, you know, and even still just think, man, I would kill to get to be God's friend. But the truth is, is through Jesus we are no longer enemies, but friends and family to God. Folks, the cross, the empty tomb has changed everything. We can have a real relationship with the Lord. We don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor to get to the Lord. You can pray right now to the Creator of all of heavens and earth. He wants to be your friend. He sent His Son to die in your place and my place that we could be His friend. Hebrews 10.24 says this. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's what friends do. Friends come behind us. They're cheering us on. We love to see our friends succeed. Right? You got people in your life that love to see you succeed? Love to, you know, love, you know, I mean, just like, you know, they're clapping for you. They're cheering for you. They, they can't wait for that thing to work out that you've worked so hard on. 
And that when you're down, that they're there to stir in you love and good works. To remind you of the goodness of God and the things that He's done for you. Here's, here's a problem for us today. We have less and less time all the time for friendships. Less and less time all the time for friendships. Um, people move away. They pass away. We're too busy. We don't take the bull by its horns. You know, one of, uh, one of the guys that I grew up with passed away uh, here just a couple of weeks ago. It was at his funeral last Sunday afternoon. And one of my friends, one of the folk, one of the guys here at 24, uh, gave probably one of the best eulogies I've ever heard in my life. But I can't tell you, because I can't even tell you and experience what he's experiencing, although I hurt for him in it, and I love this guy too, but for him, this was his best friend. And he is hurting right now over this loss. The reason we long for friendship is we don't have all the friends that our hearts need. God created us needing other people. He created us in these situations that we would have people around us that love us and care about us and will point us to Jesus, will come behind us, cheer us on, love us. They'll be careful with us. They'll be constant with us. They'll be candid with us. They'll give us great counsel. And the question for us today is, are we willing to do our part? Because again, it's real easy for us to list out our friends and then start to list all the ways in which they failed us, all the ways in which they have messed things up on their end. The truth is, is there have been things probably on our end where we've messed things up too. Challenge you in that. Let me challenge you in something. If you've got a friend that you're on the outs with right now, I really want to encourage you to like pray about what the Lord wants you to do about that. And you may not even need to pray long. You, you might pray for five seconds and be like, okay, Lord, I know. I need, I need to go and confess my sin to them. I need to ask for their forgiveness. I need to remember that God put them in my life for a reason. Listen, don't walk away. Don't walk away from a special friendship over a disagreement about something in this world. You know, I, it's funny because I think it was Orland that said, uh, oh, you know, for the rest of, for, uh, you know, when we get to heaven, you know, we, you know, and get to be with the Lord and his kingdom, you know, we'll be friends with everybody. Everybody's going to love you. It's going to be awesome, you know. Everybody will be your friend. But between now and then, not so much. So don't squander the good friendships that God has given you. But pour into them. Be Jesus into them. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Can you be transparent? Can you be vulnerable? Will you be there no matter the cost? You know, and some of us struggle with this because maybe we've been hurt real bad in the past by somebody. I get it. I get it. We all have. You're not alone. I talk, I, I talk with people about this, even uh, just in the situation of even just churches and how churches have hurt people over time. And, and our churches probably hurt people over time. 
I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's like the last thing on the planet I want to happen. You know? But things happen, and we're people, and we're sinners, and we let each other down sometimes. And there's a point in there where we were reminded that we were given grace and we're called to give it. Jesus. Jesus spent even the moments before his death trying to help the disciples to understand this. In fact, John 15, verse 13 says this. It says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. He's speaking to his disciples. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. That's a big statement that Jesus is making. He's like, I brought with me all the knowledge of God, and I have given it all to you because I love you, and I don't even consider you servants. I consider you my friends. He's like, I'm, give, I'm literally giving you my life, right? And in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. It's a beautiful picture of how much God loves us, of the sacrifice that Jesus made, the sacrifice that the Father made in sending Jesus to take our place in death. In death. I just don't think that we really think about that quite enough. You know? We'll give up our place, you know, for a lot of things, right? You know? Give up our place in line. Jesus came and took our place in death that we would never know what it's like to truly die. But that you and I, who have trusted in the Lord and have made friends with Jesus, received Him as our Savior, have believed on the work that He's done in the cross and an empty tomb, that we've been saved and we've been made family. We've been made friends. Friends. Proverbs 17.9 says this. Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. These are, this is speaking to forgiving friends. I'm not talking about you need to forgive your friends. I'm just talking about that we can be forgiving friends, Right? That we as a people can be a people who forgive others because we've been forgiven. And forgiving friends are important. And we need forgiving friends in our lives, right? It means that we want our sinner friends more than we want payback. I think Keller said that. You know, it's such, a, such an amazing thing when friendships truly work and are what God has called us to and we get to be a part of that. It's special. It's special. 
Likewise, we don't need someone who is posing as a friend, who is a gossip, like what that passage talks about. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. What it's talking about there, it's talking about someone who repeats something over and over about you that's hurtful. They're enjoying it. They're having a good time with it. They're taking that, they're sharing it with this person, sharing it with that person. That's not a friend. Friends don't do that. Friends don't repeat our offenses. And we also don't want to be that either. I think about Peter. I think about Peter a lot, you know? I feel some days like Peter. Like this guy that wants to be close to Jesus, who's gotten great opportunities in my life to be close to Jesus, yet at the, at the same time I know that I have not followed through with everything that he's called me to in my life or, you know, said yes, because I'm a sinner and I, you know, make mistakes along the way. But I think about Peter and I think about, you know, before Jesus died and what Jesus said to Peter and what he said, you'll deny me three times, right? And then Jesus defeats the grave, comes back to life and is with the disciples and he goes to Peter. And if I'm Peter, I'm shaking in my boots, I'm like, this sucker's going to zap me off the face of the planet right now. I know he's all-powerful. He's going to show up and show out right in front of the boys. He's going to make me levitate off the ground and, like, shoot me into the sky, you know, or something. And what does Jesus do? Jesus sees his wrongdoing, and he loves him anyway. Guess what? He sees yours too. And he sees mine. And he still loves us. He's the greatest friend we're ever going to have. There is no greater friend than him. He is the epitome of true friendship, true forgiveness. And that's found in quality, not quantity sometimes, right? Doesn't matter how many, don't matter the number of people that are your friends on social media, believe me. I don't know half of mine, I don't think. Okay? I just say yes sometimes I feel guilty. I'm like, well, okay, they they live in Ashland City and I don't know, they got a dog that's friend with friends with somebody at church or something. I don't know. Proverbs twenty five seventeen says this says Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. We need time together with our friends, but we also need to know how to not overstay the welcome, right? There's a a fine line there, you know. And Proverbs 18.24 says this, says a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend, a friend, who sticks closer than a brother. And folks, today that friend is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And He loves you. And He cares for you. And you remember what He said in John 15? Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I just could not read Romans 5. And in Romans 5 it says this, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, 
though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Verse 9 goes on, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall be saved from him, by him, from the wrath of God. Jesus loves you. Cares about you. He's given us the example of what it looks like for us to love and care for others. He never gets tired of us being at his house. He's never going to ask us to leave. We can't overstay our welcome. Furthermore, he never leaves us. He's always constant. He always loves us. He's always helping us to see who we really are. He's always there for us to confide in. He sees our wrongs. He knows them even better than we do. And He loves us anyway, and He always forgives them. He'll always be closer than any blood brother we could ever have. He loves you, He knows you, and He hurts with you. And the question is today, is: do you know Him? And if you don't, I'd love to talk to you about what it means to know Christ as your Savior. I'm going to be in the foyer as soon as I walk off this stage. I'm glad to pray with you, talk with you about what that means. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your friend. We need help from our friends, but we must have the help of Jesus. Jesus, our living hope. Let's pray. God, we just we come to you just saying today, we need you. We need you to be our friend and we need you to guide us in what it looks like for us to be the friend that you have called us to be in the lives of others. And God, as today we take a few moments just to even remember the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. God, I just, I just pray. I pray today that you would lead us Lead us to be a great friend to others. God, help us. Help us to honor you and your legacy as we live out what it looks like to be Christ to other people. And God, for anyone that has never trusted in you to receive salvation, to be saved, God, I pray that today you would do that work in them. God, I pray that they would cry out to you right now and say, God, I need you. Save me today. Save me. Forgive me. Make me yours. Lead me in this life. God, I pray, Lord, that they would share that with someone else today before they get out of here. God, I thank you for making a way for us through your son, Jesus. Today, we pray all of it in his name. Amen.